Welcome to the Growing Home Podcast, the show that helps you take care of the place that means the most to you, your home. I'm your host, Terry Theron, and I'm usually alongside your co-host, Len Giddix, but for this episode, Len was practicing on being retired and enjoying some time well earned. This episode is both uniquely interesting and uniquely special. I interviewed Dr. Karen Davison from Purina Animal Nutrition, who I had the pleasure of meeting on a trip last fall that my brother and I took to the Purina Research Farm in St. Louis. Dr. Davison shares with us the innovation happening in equine nutrition and a bit about Purina's 125-year history. This experience was nostalgic as our grandfather left his job at Purina in 1968 to take over the ownership of a small mill in Willamanta, Connecticut, which operates today as our first Mackey's retail location. The trip to the farm was fascinating. We had the opportunity to meet the researchers and see many of the innovative techniques used to ensure product performance and safety. There were some demonstrations of lab trials, feeding trials, and an awesome performance demonstration as we stood alongside a horse as it reached 20 miles per hour on a treadmill. The trip really reminded us that even though our company and industry has evolved over the past 50 years, our mission has stayed the same, to help you feed the life that makes a place your home. So please enjoy my chat with Dr. Karen Davison. So hi, Dr. Davison. Welcome to the Growing Home Podcast. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Well, I know we've been trying to get on the recording for a while, but um happy we can get it in today. And after our my brother and I went out to re- visit the research farm a week ago, which was uh, tremendous. Um, but for today's session, we'd like to learn about the innovation going on, Purina, and its history. Um, but to start, uh, can you share with us about your position at Purina and where your background in nutrition started? Sure, Terry. Uh, I'm, uh, my name is Karen Davison. I'm a PhD nutritionist with Purina. I've been with Purina for 25 years this year. Um, so long, long time employee here at Purina. And my background has been in horses. I, I grew up in Texas showing and rodeoing and competing with horses my my entire life, and I went to college to Texas A&M with the goal to become a veterinarian, because if you lived in Texas and wanted to be a veterinarian, Texas A&M was the place to go. And along the way, I learned that you could go to graduate school and just study horses. So much to my father's dismay, I decided at the time that anything I ever wanted to do to a cow, a cat, or a dog, I could already do. But horses were my passion, and I found a place that I could just uh, really uh, nourish that passion. And so I graduated with my bachelor's degree at Texas A&M. And at the time, they had one of the up-and-coming research programs in equine nutrition and physiology. So I stayed at Texas A&M, and I studied under Dr. Gary Potter and um, I did some of the early research on high-fat diets in horses, which at the time, uh, just to show you how old I am, at the time it was very groundbreaking research. There had been a little bit of preliminary research done on palatability and digestibility of various fats in horse diets, but I think it's interesting that in today's environment, uh, fat is one of those sought-after nutrients horse owners um, love to see higher fat diets, 
And I don't think everyone really understands that where that came from and that high fat diets are really not natural for a horse. And so um, when I did some of that early research, it was simply using fat to increase calorie intake in horses who had very high calorie requirements, such as lactating broodmares and high-end performance horses. Um, but we didn't get a lot of uh, welcome, I guess, at scientific meetings because back then we weren't even sure horses should be eating high-fat diets or if they would eat them, could they digest them very well. All those things were, were going on back then. Um, but that was my start into equine nutrition was I went to Texas A&M and I got my master's and my PhD in equine nutrition. And I worked for the Texas Agricultural Extension Service for years doing 4-H and adult education programs across the state of Texas. Um, and then along the way, my husband, who was into horses and cattle, um, but we, we went into partnership with some friends in a cattle preconditioning yard, which is a, a place to get cattle um, healthy and eating feed and ready to go to a feed yard. And that's where I met someone from Purina who ultimately ended up introducing me to someone else. And, and I ultimately ended up going to work for Purina, which was really exciting for me um, to, to get more into the horse nutrition because I tried to do the cattle nutrition part at the feed yard and I had had all the education. I just didn't have the experience in the research and I, I wasn't nearly as good of a cattle nutritionist as I hope I am as a horse nutritionist. So that was kind of a, a background and kind of a funny, interesting note there is while I was in graduate school, when I, when I was an undergraduate, I had a course from a professor, Dr. Howard Hesby, who was really adamant about teaching students practical things and helping students know where they may be able to get jobs out in agriculture and in industry. And I went on a field trip class that he had that we went up to St. Louis. And part of that field trip was going to see Purina. And I went to the Purina Animal Nutrition Research Farm that you visited last week. I went there the first time and that was in 1983. Um, which, and I was just fascinated with the facilities and the researchers and all that was, the animals and all that was going on there. And um, that was a full 10 years before I actually went to work for Purina. So it's kind of an interesting how, how your, your life kind of leads you along and things that you never envision happening in the future, little pieces of it happen along the way. But, but that's, that's how I got into horse nutrition and, and my family is still, my husband still trains horses. My children both ride and compete. So the Davison family is kind of all horses all the time. So Purina is, you know, one of the most innovative feed companies out there today. But especially coming from my visit being out there and a little bit of my family history, uh, I know that Purina Mills itself has a long history. Could you share with us about the history of Purina Mills and, you know, its evolution to today? Sure, it's it's a, a long and proud heritage that Purina has, and um, while I've been here a long time, I certainly wasn't here from the beginning. Um, Purina started as the Robinson-Danforth Commission back in 1894, and what gives me a lot of pride is that it did start out as a horse feed company. The very first feed that was made by that company was horse and mule chow, 
And being established in St. Louis, that was a time when horses and mules were the work animals. They were the trucks and tractors and barges and whatnot that moved things through the city as it was growing and developing. And um, Mr. William H. Danforth was the beginning of this company and he had quite a vision. He saw early on that what you fed those animals affected how, how they did, their health, their longevity, how well they worked. And so even back then, he started this history of that nutrition impacted animals' health and well-being. And it developed on from there. The, the checkerboard that everyone knows and recognizes as a Purina logo started in 1902. And then the research farm that I visited long ago and you visited last week, it actually started in 1926. Um, and it, again, it, you know, the, the heritage of Purina is about animal nutrition and in improving the health and, of animals. And when you look at those dates that I've mentioned and you reference that versus something like, you know, in human nutrition, the word vitamin was only used or began to be used like around 1921. So we're talking about really early stages of nutrition and nutrition research. And so for someone to have the vision that what you fed animals could impact them is, is quite a foundation. And we're really, really proud to continue with that foundation. And, you know, as you saw last week, we're, everyone who works for this company is extremely passionate about animal nutrition and animal welfare and well-being. Um, but we, you know, we kind of understand that as smart as we all think we are, we really stand on the shoulders of great visionaries in this company because you couldn't start from scratch today and build what this company has in that research facility and, and all the history and, and all the knowledge that's been accumulating in this company for, for all those years. So we're really, really proud. And, and, you know, another interesting little side note is that in 1965, we hired the first strictly equine nutritionist in Dr. Ed Ott. And he started the building of our equine research unit that specifically focused on, on horses since then. Um, and, you know, I guess equine nutrition is not a very big world because Dr. Ott, he left Purina. He was replaced by Dr. Les Brewer, who has gone on and done amazing work for Purina. He, he's who we lovingly call the father of equine, of, of, of equine senior. But Dr. Ott went on to University of Florida to teach, and our own Dr. Kelly Vineyard, who's now on the equine technical solutions team with me, she's been with Purina for uh, for 10 years, eight years now, I believe. Um, she was one of Dr. Ed Ott's last graduate students in Florida, and then Dr. Ott's granddaughter, Tiffany, works for Purina in Florida as well. So. It's um, it's amazing how many places we all interact, and, and it all comes back to Purina and the history of Purina. Um, an interesting note that a lot of people don't realize, Terry, is that that checkerboard logo that started in 1902 and is recognized as the Purina logo, as happens as companies grow and mature over years and things happen and people, um, businesses merge and, and sell sections and things like that. Well, back several years ago before I started working for Purina, the company did divide. So what 
started out as Robinson Danforth Commission, evolved into Ralston Purina Company that a lot of people remember way back in the day. And then eventually Ralston Purina Company divided out and to what is now, there is our, our I guess our distant cousins now, is the checkerboard branded products that you see in the grocery stores and the dog and cat products. That's currently owned by Nestle, so that's Nestle Purina, and that's all the dog and cat chows and, and those products. Um, the company that I work for now is Purina Animal Nutrition, which is owned by Lando Lakes, um, and most people may know Lando Lakes as the butter company, and Lando Lakes is a co-op of dairy farmers, and you know sometimes people wonder why would a butter company own a feed company, but when you think about where butter comes from and you think about it coming from dairy cows, and dairy cows definitely need to eat, so it makes a lot of sense. And so we've we've been owned by Lando Lakes for years now. Um, but it's something that sometimes people don't understand. They think the, the checkerboard is all over one company. And in, in the United States, it can be used by Nestle Purina for, for the dog and cat products and um, for the, all the other animal species. So everything from horses to cattle. Um, we have our Missouri line that is uh, things for like pets and exotics and chinchillas and things like that. And then we feed a lot of zoo animals. So all of those kind of animal products that are under the checkerboard that you would buy at an independent Purina, at an independent Purina feed dealer like Mackey's, um, those are Land Lakes Purina products. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, I thought that was pretty amazing, especially, I mean, I knew the breadth of the products and everything, but when we were down at the farm and they were talking about, you know, everything from large-scale commercial cattle to, I think, 95% of zoo animals or zoos in the country are feeding uh, Purina's Missouri line, I thought that was, that was pretty amazing. Oh, exactly, and it's really fun, and, and you know, we all learn from each other, and there's there's nutritionists in every species group, which is part of what has kept me, you know, excited about working for Purina all these years is that um, we can do the research that's specific in the animals that we're developing feeds for, which is extremely important because all these animals are different. So what works for a cow is not necessarily going to work for a horse. But, and it's important that we do the research in the animals and let the animals that you're developing the feed for tell you if it's working for them or not. Um, but with the, all the nutritionists that are behind all those species groups, we're able to learn from each other. And sometimes we'll learn something that may have worked in one group. We may try it and find a way to make it work and, and help horses as well. So um, if you're a nutrition nerd like myself, Purina is a great place to work. Yeah, I bet. You know, there was, when we went through the testing facility and it was everything from looking at the performance of a horse, we had to see a horse run up to almost 20 miles an hour on a treadmill indoors all the way through when we saw the feeding trials that, you know, you can come up with this amazing feed and it's packed with nutrition but at the end of the day, is the horse going to eat it? You know, one thing I think that was even mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, the high-fat diets were actually, they, they're difficult to feed sometimes because the high fats aren't as palatable. And or, oh, uh, yeah. you correct me if I don't have that correct, but uh, like the, the whole station set up just for palatability testing 
and ensuring that, you know, when you're putting the feed out there, that the horse is eating it and there are sensors in the buckets to see, you know, how, how fast they're consuming it and everything. Exactly. And, and, you know, Purina had some of that technology way back when I first visited it as an undergraduate student and I saw that how they could measure what the animals ate and, and all those things, which was better technology than what we had sometimes in, in some of our university research facilities. So I was really impressed and excited. Um, an interesting little side note about the fat in the high fat diets for horses is that when I was in grad school and doing the higher fat diet research in horses, as I mentioned earlier, I guess we we thought we were doing pretty groundbreaking research, which we were. Um, but fast forward to when I came to work for Purina, I found out the history that um, while in the 80s I was doing the research in Texas A&M, Purina already had a patent in 1976 on a high-fat extruded nugget for horses, which ultimately became athlete. And some people may remember athlete as the first high-fat extruded nugget on the market, I think, from uh, what I can recall. And it's the precursor to today's Purina Amplify high-fat nugget. And so when I thought I was doing really innovative research in my graduate work, uh, Purina already had done research on a high-fat horse diet. They had the data. They had the product. The interesting thing was that it wasn't marketed at the time because horse owners, as I mentioned earlier, horse owners, veterinarians, nobody really knew why you would feed high-fat diets to horses. <laughs> and so um, as we evolved in that thinking and saw that, you know, yes, indeed, we can get them to eat it most of the time, um, and they can digest it, and there is some physiological benefits, especially to performance horses and some to lactating broodmares and others, but you can get um, you, you can get some benefit out of high-fat diets. So now it's extremely popular. Um, but interesting thing is, again, with fat, even as popular as it is today, it's simply an ingredient and it's important up to a point, but it's like so many of our other ingredients or nutrients that, um, you know, sometimes more is better, sometimes more is just more, and sometimes more can be bad. And so just randomly looking for the highest amount of a single nutrient is not always the best way to try to select a feed. Um, because as you mentioned, uh, higher fat diets sometimes become less palatable to horses and, and they get to where they just don't want to eat that high of fat. Because, you know, if you think about their natural diet is forage, pasture, hay, um, and the you know the fat content of that is generally around two and a half to three and a half percent. So when we get some of these higher fat diets of ten, twelve, even higher percent fat, that's um, not always acceptable to the horse. So it's our goal at the farm to be able to develop the formulas that benefit the horse physiologically and nutritionally. And then, as you mentioned, we've got to make sure we'll they'll eat it because it doesn't matter how good the product is, if we make it, if they don't want to eat it, we can't help them. Right, right. Yeah, I was I was blown away by, by the whole experience and everything that went to making sure that the feed was designed properly, um, tested, and, and working, you know, in actual uh, active herds, but also, you know, the almost miniature scale mill that was producing feed and testing out the processing so that when it goes to process, 
you know, we're still getting that same quality product for the horses. Um, but for the trip in itself, it was uh, a little nostalgic for not only my brother and I, but my whole family. Um, you know, I was even talking to my aunt, um, and it was her father and her and my mom's father who started our business, which we actually celebrated our 50th anniversary this year. And it was in 1968 that he bought our original store location from the Purina Mills Company. Um, he was a territory manager for the Southern New England area. And the Willimantic Mackey's location was actually a satellite mill uh, for Purina. And all the feed would, or the commodities would come in on the rail car, get loaded into the grain tower, and then they'd be loaded into dump trucks for carrying out to farms. So. It was, uh, you know, as we were going out there and I was telling, you know, my aunt, I had this conversation the night before we went out and telling her we were going out to the farm. She could remember my grandfather making those trips for different educational things and seminars and things like that. So it was a pretty great experience all around. Oh, that's, a, that's amazing. And that, that is, it's one of the cool things about being involved in Purina is that there are those long-time relationships and, and multiple generations involved and it's it's just really exciting to to be involved in a company again that has the history that we have and that has that multi-generational involvement but then is also kind of on the cutting edge of innovation like we do and and you know you mentioned there at the farm the feed mill and things and that you know one of the cool things about that research facility is it's extremely unique um, in that it's designed to be a facility that mimics what is happening out in the real world as good as you can possibly do. So it's somewhat of a working farm with really high-tech resources available. So we, we have a herd of horses. They're actually there. We have their quarter horses and thoroughbreds that we do the research on. We're breeding and foaling out mares. Um, and we're maintaining that herd just like any other farm, horse farm would be doing. But when other farms may be riding and competing and training, our team is doing the exercise physiology work on the high-speed treadmill, the palatability work in the pal barn. Um, we have a lot of research. We've done some really amazing long-term growth and development studies um, on young horses with uh, extensive x-rays and blood work and lots of things to try to help make sure we can nutritionally support young growing horses. So it's cool that we have all that there. It's, it's, we're able to get as close as we can to mimicking what's go on, going on in the real world for those animals. But then we don't really stop there because once we find a product or a formula that works there at the farm and we think we've got something, um, then we actually spend what we call our field trial time in the research uh, program and, and we'll take that formulation out in plain brown bags and we'll put it with our customers and, and folks around the country to feed the different breeds of horses in different regions of the country and, and make sure that what we see in those controlled settings there at the farm actually do work out in the real world. And I guess for myself as a horse person, um, you know, I have a, a stake in the game in that uh, I work for the company, but I'm also feeding the product. My husband's living depends on these horses doing well. My son's living depends on his horses doing well. And uh, I'm not the only horse owner in our group. We have, most of us do have 
kind of a personal uh, stake in what we what we develop, but we're able to make sure that what we do develop, what we put in the bag, and what we say about that product, that it actually does what we say it'll do. And you know, I, you, you hate to say it, as many smart people as we think we are working at the company, you'd think that everything we dreamed up would work. But part of what is helpful for me is knowing that we do the testing there at the farm and we do have some formulas we've tested and invested in and spent a lot of time and money and tried to develop that, you know, we, we learn about an additive or an ingredient that's supposed to be helpful and it's being marketed as being helpful to horses and we'll put it in a formulation or we'll, we'll design a product and then it will, the data will just say it just didn't, didn't help. So that's part of the value to me as a horse owner is knowing that if it's in a bag of Purina horse feed, it's been tested in horses to work in horses, the kind of horses that I'm riding, and I know it, it, it's supposed to work. And so on one level, all the innovation, the, the equine seniors, the amplifies, all the things that we've done that are innovative is exciting. But that level of confidence I have somewhat comes from knowing that there are things that didn't work, but we found it out at the farm first and didn't go put it out in the market and then go, whoops, that didn't really work. So again, lots of lots of confidence in the products and we continue to innovate. You know, you'd think we've been around forever. Um, you'd think we'd have it all figured out now. <laughs> we've been studying nutrition for many, many years. But we are continually looking for issues and problems out in the horse industry and things that we may can either address or better support through nutrition. And um, I know you all at the store are, are carrying one of our latest innovations, our Outlast Gastric Support Supplement. Yep, right. Yeah, and I, I think hopefully your customers are seeing what we saw in research and what I see personally in my own horses um, that we've we've landed on a new innovation that truly helps a, a large number of horses. Can you take us through a little bit, you know, Outlast has been probably one of the, the bigger releases of, of a new product for Purina uh, recently, and, and, and even now it's being incorporated into a lot of the complete feeds that Purina already has. Can you go through the purpose of Outlast and kind of how it was developed or, or the reason it was developed? Sure, sure. And I'll start out by saying that, you know, the way we develop products at Purina is we, we do look out into the industry and we get a lot of feedback. We have some wonderful ambassadors who are, you know, at the peak of their fields, whether it's, you know, eventers or rodeo people or um, we, we have endurance racers. We have a lot of different people out in the industry that are at the top of their game that will give us feedback and say, you know, I'm having this trouble with my horse or this product's not addressing what, what's going on. So um, we comb through the research and the literature. And so in the process of developing a product, we, we identify a problem or an issue that we think we can help with nutrition. And that's where we start. And we'll work with different formulations and we'll do different types of measurements over m many years, a lot of times, before we land on the product that actually works. And Outlast went through that same process where we looked out in the industry and we saw that horses were, uh, a large number of horses were suffering from gastric discomfort. And um, that affected their health, their performance, uh, how well they did on their feeding program. 
So you could have horses who were eating the best quality feed they could possibly eat, were being managed really, really well. But from the various stressors that horses go through, many of them were developing gastric ulcers and or various levels of gastric discomfort. Um, and that, as, as we look through the literature, there's been a lot of research over the last that decade or so into equine gastric ulcer syndrome. And uh, the consensus statement among veterinarians is that a large percentage of those are the result of having a highly acidic environment, higher than physiologically normal for a horse, and having that acid in that stomach uh, for extended periods of time. And um, that tends to cause ulcerations or injury to the stomach, which leads to extreme discomfort in the horses. So we were looking at that, and there's various different ingredients or products on the market to try to help address that, but our researchers found an ingredient that um, we did a lot of testing on, and so keep in mind Outlast came out um, in 2017. It was launched out into the world as a product, but you have to go back about six years before that to look at where all we've been in, in developing that product. And so what we were looking for was something that was unique and that worked better than anything else we could find on the market. And um, the, the ingredient in Outlast is very unique. It's a uh, proprietary mineral complex. It's the, um, actually it's a renewable marine derived source of calcium and magnesium. So it, it's a calcified seaweed, but it's a very unique form of that um, that has a really great buffering capacity. So it can handle a lot of acid. And we found through our research that using Outlast at the levels we've put in, in the product, that we can really help manage the gastric pH in a horse into a more physiological normal range for a longer period of time. And that just helps keep those horses more comfortable and happy. Great. And, you know, after, you know, we had learned about this, uh, we think of our business as nutritionally based, you know, whether it's equine nutrition to pet nutrition. And then, you know, we also carry lawn and garden products. So fertilizers for the lawn and maintenance for, you know, different nursery stock. And one thing that we've been looking to on the lawn and garden side is managing pH, obviously for different reasons and everything. Learning about Outlast kind of got us back to, you know, no matter everything we're doing is nutrition-based and, and the importance of pH, whether it's nutrition for the lawn. And then obviously this is a pretty critical thing for horses. And so that was one thing, you know, we took away that, you know, really all together, you know, our slogan, where the home grows, everything living in and around your home. Uh, this was, you know, something that kind of reminded us of like what our core mission is and, and better nutrition for everybody. So I think the Outlast product and the demonstrations and um, I think it was uh, Dr. Jacobson who took us through the development of Outlast and, and even showed us mm -hmm. live how it worked and changed the pH uh, of, a, of an acid-based uh, liquid he had right in front of us. That was pretty amazing. So yeah, the, you know, and the research, I, I would tell you, the research in horses, we talked earlier about, you know, species-specific research, and, and I, I'm sure some of your listeners will have said, you know, I've got an ulcer. As a human, I've had ulcers, or I know people who've had ulcers, and, 
In humans, there's a, a lot of ulcers apparently that are caused by a bacteria, whereas in horses, that doesn't seem to be the case. And um, while the stomach is designed to be acidic on purpose, it's supposed to be acidic to start the process of digestion, uh, things like stress, exercise, lots of things can actually increase the acid level in, in that horse's stomach. And if you think about the way a horse evolved as a animal that was out grazing, eating small meals through the day versus a human who's a meal eater, um, when you eat a meal as a human, you produce acid to help digest that meal. And when you're not eating a meal, that acid production backs off. In a horse, they continuously secrete acid because they're supposed to be continuously eating. So when you have these horses that are meal fed and then they go several hours without eating and in some cases without drinking, um, the acid's just building up in that stomach. And um, the way their stomach is designed and it sits in their body, you know, the acids, it's about the lower third, and a lot of the gastric ulceration occurs in the upper two-thirds of their stomach. And, and where that happens is, is that acid sits there and increases, and then you go ride that horse or put them in a trailer or do anything activity-wise with them, um, that acid, the stomach will compress a little bit due to pressure, and that acid will splash around. And so you begin to erode the protective lining of the stomach, and it can be unbelievably painful for a horse. And, you know, horse owners will all realize, if you've been around very many different horses, you see that horses all react to pain differently. It depends on the amount of pain, and it depends on that horse's reaction to pain. But some horses get really stoic and really, you know, they tough it out. And then other horses, they just can't take it. They get really nervous. They get anxious. So you begin to see behavior things in horses who have this discomfort going on in their stomach. And if we can do things like when you, when you supplement with Outlast, one of the earliest things we'll see or what people will tell us is that the horse is relaxed, he's more calm, they're just more content and less nervous, uh, things like that. So. Um, I think it's, it would be, a, well, you all have there at the store, we have the Purina Equine Gastric Health Program brochure. And I would just encourage all the horse owners to come to the store, look through that brochure, because we have a list of common uh, symptoms. So how, what to look for in your horse to decide, you know, does my horse maybe have some gastric issues? And then we also look at risk factors. And it's amazing to some horse owners what some of those risk factors are. Because I'll hear people say, well, I don't, you know, I don't compete a lot, so my horse isn't at risk. But there's a lot of things. Um, one of the things that people get a little bit of a chuckle out of is one of the things that's been identified as a risk factor is playing talk radio in the barn. <laughs> I think I think as humans we we can all relate to that. But there's a lot of different things that stress horses out. And as they get stressed, and especially if they go periods of time without something in their stomach, they have you know they have a risk of of developing these gastric issues. And it's not just in performance horses, although there's research studies that say up to 90% of performance horses can experience gastric discomfort. Um, you also find it in broodmares and foals, old horses, pasture ornaments sometimes. So our goal with that brochure is to help educate horse owners about the issues 
and to help them recognize the symptoms, recognize the risk factors, and then really encourage horse owners. If they think that their horses may be experiencing some of these symptoms, it's really important to get your veterinarian involved for a proper diagnosis because some of the symptoms are not what we would call specific to gastric issues. They're indicative, but they're not necessarily just specific for that. So a horse that's nervous or a picky eater or is beginning to lose body condition, um, maybe they've got a little bit of recurrent like colic. All those kind of things are certainly symptoms of some kind of gastric discomfort, but they could also be other things. So we really want horse owners to get their veterinarian involved properly diagnose the horse. If they do have gastric ulcers, they definitely need to work with their veterinarian for medical treatment of those ulcers. But then to have them include Outlast Gastric Support Supplement as part of the support of that treatment, and then hopefully to continue on it and use it as a way to help reduce the risk of recurrence. I mean, it's such a key product, and it's probably why it's such a big innovation overall is because it's so prevalent coming from both environmental and dietary related issues. It, that's true, Terry, and, and I tell you, for us, you know, nutrition always is impactful in the health and well-being of the horse, but sometimes it's hard to see. So, for instance, if a horse is copper deficient, they don't show you anything today. It's just you have, it, it takes time and it has to be severe deficiencies and it's bad for their diet to be deficient in a trace mineral, but you don't always see it immediately. We, some of it, you just have to go on faith that the nutritionists know what they're talking about and say, this is important for your horse because you just, it's not like they'll all go lame tomorrow because they have a calcium deficiency or something like that. But with Outlast, it's just really one of those unique times where the nutrition impacts that horse extremely quickly and it's very evident. And Outlast is just real easy to feed. You can top dress it on any feed that you feed. Uh, we recommend you feed it as a snack and most horses will eat it by itself as a standalone snack. So if it's been more than a couple of hours since the horse ate a meal and you're gonna exercise them, train them, put them in a trailer and haul them, we recommend that they get Outlast. We have a lot of veterinarians that are now sending horses home from veterinary clinics. If they come in for treatment of anything, they give them Outlast just because going to the vet, going to the treatment, all those are stressors. And so it's, it's really simple, it's very cost effective, and it's really easy to use and you can see results really quickly in most horses if they are having you know, this acidity issue. So it's kind of a unique product for us in that it's pretty evident pretty quickly that it's working. And because of the number of horses that are affected by this issue, as you mentioned earlier, we have expanded with Outlast and it is available in a supplement, but then we've also included it in several products like Ultium Gastric Care, um, Strategy GX, Strategy Healthy Edge, um, and our impact professional performance. We've actually built in the Outlast ingredients so that every meal those horses get that gastric support. Um, and for me personally, I guess I'd tell you a little personal story of why that's important to me is that when we were doing some of the field work on Outlast, some of us tested it on our own horses as well as finding other people around to test it. So I had, I had Outlast 
test product in my barn for my horse. And I had a barrel horse and he's a little bit nervous as some barrel horses can be. And I was really frustrated with him because he was a little bit difficult at some times to ride. And I started him on Outlast and you know, don't make any mistake, it didn't turn him into a kid's pony, but it just made him a more relaxed, happier version of himself. And so I was feeding him Outlast and I had enough Outlast in my barn to last him for three months. And um, as I do, I travel a lot with my job. So I would ride in spurts and then I would be gone for a while. <laughs> and so I was riding and I was happy with my horse and then I had to travel. And so I was gone and I didn't ride probably for a month and or long, maybe it's a little longer. And I came home and I started riding my horse again and he was back to being his original frustrating um, loon. <laughs> and so I was really, I thought, well, maybe he's just fresh. And so I started riding him. I rode him for two or three days in a row and no, he was still just kind of anxious and super reactive and just, you know, he was still trained. He wasn't, you know, but he just, he was, he's, He's just difficult, like some horses can get. Um, and so I noticed when I put him up one evening in the barn and they had already put the feed in his stall, I noticed there was no outlast in his feed. And I went to the guys who fed and where's, you know, where's his supplement? And they said they ran out and I, there was no way they could have ran out. I had exactly the amount left. So I asked again, where's the supplement? And they said, well, Mr. James, my husband, had put two of his mares on it because he had seen what it did in my horse. <laughs> so, um, so for me, I go, you know, if it's built into the feed, we can't run out of the supplement. So I know whether I'm there or not, he's going to get outlast with every meal. And then while I'm here, I do, if it's been more than a couple of hours since he ate, I still give him an outlast snack. And I can tell when I ride him, today, whether he got outlast today. He's that sensitive. Some horses, you wouldn't be able to see it quite that clearly, but he's that sensitive. Um, and he does not have gastric ulcers. He just, that when that acidity builds up, I think even before it maybe damages the stomach and some horses, they can feel it and they get anxious and a little bit nervous. So that's one of the reasons wow. we've put it in the feed is because it does affect such a wide number of horses and it is helpful in those horses to put it in their meals so that you know they get it every day. Great. And you mentioned, you know, everything from Ultium strategy, the different lines of that Purina has. So if we're, you know, looking for something that has either Atlas in it or just, you know, a horse feed overall, how do we kind of understand or break down, you know, the different categories that fall underneath the Purina line? Sure. Um, well, one of the easy ways of a horse owner is to go into a really good independent Purina dealer like yourselves and just ask you for some help because um, as you all invested your time to come to the research farm, you, you know, our dealers are good about investing their time and being trained and understanding our product and understanding what horses and horse owners need. So that would be your first place to go would be just go in your, your good Purina, local Purina dealer and ask for some help. Um, the other things we have available is you can go on our website at PurinaMills.com and you click on the horse and you can look at the products. All the information on the products are there. Uh, there's a lot of products, as you mentioned. So sometimes you go, that's kind of overwhelming. That's a lot of different products. And so we have some tools on our website. We have a feed recommender and we have a feed calculator. 
and you can answer a few questions like, you know, what type of horse do you have? Do you have good quality hay? It works through some questions. So if you click on, I have a senior horse, it will narrow down the product offering to which products would be best appropriate for that horse. And then you can go to the feed calculator and you can actually plug in how much your horse weighs um, and what you do with him. And it'll give you a recommendation of this may be, this is, you know, on an average horse weighing this amount, doing what you do with them, this would be about what you would feed of these different feeds. So there are some tools on the website, and then there's additional support articles and information that help educate horse owners to work through um, the different scenarios and, and different types of horses and what they may be best, which product may best fit them. Great. And we'll, we'll also put those in the show notes so, you know, people listening can go ahead and, and check there if uh, they missed that and they'll all be linked in there. But, you know, what was even cool about our trip is that Shreena Mills is a company and making sure that the customers can go in and find the right feed for their horses. It's something you guys practice as an organization. The first night we actually went and met with the Budweiser Clydesdale team and they talked about how about, I think it was five years ago, they started working with Purina after, you know, doing a ton of investigation and, you know, analysis, went with a Purina feed plan to help their uh, show teams or hitches that, you know, the three teams throughout the country that are performing in television commercials. And they talked about how Purina had come up with a diet based on some commercially available feeds, ones that we even sell in the store and how that's allowed them to, you know, keep the horses healthy and fit, you know, to be working on all these different events. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up, up the Budweiser Clydesdales. They are, uh, you know, they're an icon of Americana. Uh, the two companies, Budweiser and Purina, both started in St. Louis. So we have a lot of long history together, um, but we um, have really begun working with them really closely over the last few years. And um, I guess I would say this, that it, it doesn't matter what kind of horse person you are, Clydesdales are cool. <laughs> They're just, <laughs> it, you just, you just, you know, you, you may do whatever it is you do, but when you're around a Clydesdale, you're just, they're just amazing and they're very cool, but they do have unique needs. They're, they're big, they're draft horses. They do, um, and as you mentioned, the hitches, those horses travel a lot. They're in strange places all the time. They're in hit, they're in trailers a lot and they're unbelievably well taken care of. Um, but they are high performance horses on what they do. So um, we have worked out we, with, with the nutritionists involved. We go through, you know, their program for when they're young and growing and when, then when they're in their early training stages. And, and we do just with them what we would do with other farms is, is we look at the environment and the scenario and what's going on with those horses and we fine tune the nutrition recommendations to best support those those animals. So uh, the young three-year-old Clydesdales in training at Grant's Farm there in St. Louis, they don't eat the same as the six or eight-year-old hitch horses that are out on the road. Um, but we can help them decide and look at the animals and work with the managers and um, come up with a nutrition program that, that best fits individual horses. And they're, they're some that we are very, very proud to be involved with. Yeah, they were amazing. You know, going to the stable that's right on Budweiser's property, 
um, one, it was like walking into Santa's workshop. It was so pristine and, and beautiful. Um, and we got to take a picture of Solano Clydesdale, so that was pretty cool. But, you know, even with that, once we select the right feed or, or you guys recommend a feed for a horse, you know, what are some things that we should do to make sure that feed's successful, that we're, that we're feeding the right amount? Yeah, that's a great question because it, we have a lot of different feeds and they're all great in their own right, but the um, we can't replace the horse owner. The horse owner is the manager of the horse. They see the horse and they have to help adjust and make sure things are, are right. And you need to make sure you pick the right feed for that horse. So um, as good as race ready is, a Purina race ready, it's a feed that's fueled Kentucky Derby champions. Um, we would not recommend it for, you know, the senior horse out in the pasture. So you need to pick the right feed for the right horse. And so help with that is good. But then the other thing is once you've even chosen the, the correct feed, to your point, you do have to feed it correctly. And part of that is knowing how much your horse weighs. And that seems so basic to most horse owners, but I will tell you that um, most horse owners have no real idea what their horse weighs. And most of us just look at them and guess, and we think we're pretty close, but I will tell you over many, many samples of many, many humans, just evaluating a horse and giving an estimated body weight by looking at them, most, we, we have actually, there's some data that 85% of horse owners miss it by 150 pounds or more on either side. So if a horse weighs 1,100 pounds today, Horse owners will guess everywhere from you know 850 to 1350 or whatever. It they'll miss it. Knowing what your horse weighs is very important. Most of us don't have a scale that we can weigh horses on, so the Purina weight tape has been a really handy tool. It's extremely effective when you use it properly, and it was developed like all Purina products on research. So it's not the same as other weight tapes. If you lay it out on the ground, it's a little harder to read and it's not exactly in line with other weight tapes because others are just linear and ours is actually best based on a statistical regression equation that makes it highly predictable when it's used correctly. So the weight tape is awesome and it's handy. The problem with our weight tape is that it was developed on horses that weighed about 1,320 pounds or less. And so that's where it goes up to. And a lot of horses out there, including our Budweiser Clydesdales, but a lot of just warm bloods, other horses weigh more than 1,300 pounds. And so we are very excited that we have partnered with University of Minnesota. Dr. Krishona Martinson worked really hard on developing the Healthy Horse app. So horse owners can go on the app store. They can look for the Healthy Horse app. And for $1.99, you can download that on your iPad or your iPhone or your smartphone. And it shows you how to take measurements. And it's very specific measurements um, with a, a cloth measuring tape. So if you have a 100-inch cloth measuring tape, you can measure most any horse out there. And you take the measurements correctly, you plug them into the app, and it will give you what that horse weighs today. And it will also give you an estimated ideal weight for that horse. And that ideal weight is based on a horse of those measurements being what's called a body condition score of five. So 
if your horse, if your listeners don't know what body condition scoring is, I would encourage them to come into the store because all of our equine product guides, the Purina equine product guides, they have all the information about all of our products, but they also have in the back a really handy diagram and explanation of the body condition scoring system. And a body condition score five is a moderate body condition. It's where you can't see the ribs showing, but you can feel them easily. So the horse is not too fat, not too thin. That's considered pretty much just right for most horses. So what Dr. Martinson and her team have done is measured different breeds of horses and they found the right measurements and plugged them into the right regression equations and they're very predictable. And if you take the measurements correctly and you identify the horse correctly, so you can pick a draft breed, you can pick a stock horse breed, you can pick a miniature, um, and Arabians, there's lots of different breeds in there. And if you take the measurements correctly, it will give you the current weight and then the recommended ideal body weight for that horse. It's a really, really handy app. doesn't cost very much, and um, it's a really handy management tool because once you know how much the horse weighs, um, then you can go to the feeding recommendations in the, on a tag or a bag, and you can estimate how much you should be feeding that horse. Um, the Healthy Horse app will give you an idea of how much weight the horse should gain or lose to be at that ideal weight so you could adjust your feeding rates accordingly. But body condition scoring and knowing how much your horse weighs help you manage your feeding rates to make sure you keep your horse in good condition. Um, and I'll, I'll add to that is that as a feed company, when you make feeding recommendations on the bags or the tags, those are based on the average horse and for us, we use the horse eating the minimum amount of hay that would be healthy for that horse to eat. So we give these estimates that say this is about what it would take to feed this horse. But if you're feeding a lot more hay or, a, you know, very different quality hay, either really, really great hay or really, really poor hay, it could adjust what the feeding rate should be for your specific horse. And then on top of that, nobody really owns the average horse, right? <laughs> we all have horses who are above average, hopefully, but they're not all average. So if it takes six pounds of strategy healthy edge to maintain my horse who weighs 1,100 pounds, it may take more or less than that to maintain your horse based on your horse's individual metabolism and the quality and quantity of hay you feed. So, you know, it, it's a start to look at the feeding recommendations for a product, but then it takes that management that says, I'm going to feed according to the weight and whether the body condition, whether the horse needs to stay at the current weight, needs to increase, decrease, and I'm going to make adjustments based on my horse and my individual situation to main my, maintain my horse in the proper condition he should be in. So with the management and monitoring of the horse, and as we're feeding or we change the diet to maybe increase the horse's weight and put more fat on them, should we be continuously monitoring and, and using the weight tape? And could that possibly change as we're going through and, and executing this feed program? Sure. That, you know, when we do feeding, we do feeding trials with uh, new horse owners all the time where we say, you know, try a Purina product for 60 to 90 days. Um, feed it as recommended, let us show you how to feed it, and then just let, it, let us show you that it works. And the goal is, is over that 60 to 90 days is to, we start with what we think is going to be the amount to feed the horse based on everything we know. But then over that time, 
we need the horse owner to, you know, evaluate and really evaluating body condition is the quickest and easiest thing to do. And that's just a, it, it, once you start doing it and you get really proficient at it, it doesn't take just a couple minutes. And so early on, we'd say weekly, evaluate your horse's body condition and make small adjustments in the feed or hay accordingly. Um, and, you know, there's some estimates like, so if your horse has a body condition score four, which is, you know, got a little rib showing and we want to get them to a five, which would be a horse whose ribs are covered, um, which, by the way, in the wintertime, especially in your part of the country, is really important because thin horses really struggle with cold weather. Um, but to move from one body condition to the other is roughly about 45 pounds in an average 1,000 to 1,100-pound horse. So we know we need to gain some weight. We can feed accordingly. But once you're kind of set, like I just, you kind of just get to where every time you get your horse out and while you're brushing them and grooming them, getting ready to tack them up to go ride, you evaluate. He's gotten a little fat, he's gotten a little thin. And the thing about the body condition scoring system is it zeroes your eyes and your hands into feeling and seeing exactly where a horse deposits body fat. Because a lot of horse owners will look in their belly, and their belly is not where they develop, they put body fat. That may be hay, you know, grass belly, hay belly, but they deposit body fat over their crest, over their withers, down their top line, around their tail head, behind their shoulder area, and then over that rib area. And when you learn to do that, you can do it really quickly, and then you make adjustments before it gets really critical and you go, oh my goodness, my horse lost 150 pounds and I didn't even realize it. You can, those quick little body condition scoring monitoring sessions you do can, can keep you in the right place there. So yeah, we always recommend when you start a new feed especially, it's important that not only do you weigh your horse and body condition score your horse, but we weigh the feed. Because um, Terry, I think you probably know there at the store, not every feed weighs the same per given volume, right? Mm -hmm. So you right. can have a three-quart scoop, and it may weigh four pounds full of ultium, but it may only weigh two and a half pounds of crimped oats, right? Same volume. So um, different feeds can weigh different amounts. So it's really important when you change feeds that you actually feed by the pound, not by the scoop. Um, and also it's important to weigh your hay. So we're, we're really big on, on having a weight tape or the Healthy Horse app for your horse, learn how to body condition score, and then have an actual scale to weigh how much feed and hay you feed um, so you know and, and you can adjust by weight along the way. And then it's handy, you know, for horse owners, when you get a new supply of hay in, that you reweigh that hay. Because I think a lot of horse owners understand that not every flake or pad of hay weighs the same. And so it's important to keep a consistent diet in your horse across time is to do it with by the pound. So a, a scale that weighs your feed is an important part of, of executing a good feeding management program. Excellent. Great. Well, that, that's super helpful. And I think gives us, you know, you guys, even if we all go all the way back to the development and then that going through a process so that the, the produced feeds are properly made so that when we get them, you know, at the store that we've got the complete feed that it was in with all the nutrients it was intended to have and making sure we're feeding the right amount and all the way to executing to 
maintaining it, the diet as recommended so that we get the performance that we're looking for. And that kind of gets us back to Purina's whole vision around, you know, feed greatness and uh, enabling uh, each animal's full potential. Exactly, exactly. And I think you guys even, you carry, we have our Purina feed scoop where we have the weights marked off for two pounds, um, well, different pounds weight, but up to two pounds of different feeds. And when when horse owners look at our scoop, you can see even within our feed, you know, two pounds of omeline is a different mark than two pounds of uh, equine senior. And so that helps, you know, illustrate that even within our brand, different feeds weigh different amounts. And then one other note, Terry, is that you guys also carry our Purina supplement cup, right? Right. Yeah, that is a handy, handy little tool because that cup is designed for supplements like Outlast, Amplify that I mentioned earlier, that's a high-fat supplement, and our Enrich product, which Enrich is a ration balancing product, and Enrich is highly concentrated, and it's to provide all the protein, vitamins, and minerals a horse needs in a very small feeding rate. So with Enrich Plus, we think of it as being nutrition for horses who don't really need feed. It's for horses who stay fat enough on hay or pasture alone, and, you know, one to two pounds of Enrich a day will fill in the nutritional holes left by the forage or the hay. Um, but that's a cup, and that's designed to be fed by the cup, not by the pound. And so it's important to know how a feed was designed to be fed. So take something like Ultium. We would never recommend you feed it by the cup. It's not designed to be fed that way. So if your horse is eating very low feeding rates, we have a feed designed specifically for that. You would never feed four, five, six pounds of Enrich. We have other feeds designed for that. So that's part of that whole decision process is how much feed does my horse need along with the hay or the forage that I have provided for them under the work level or whatever that I do with my horse how much feed does it take to maintain this horse in good body condition? And, and it's important to pick a feed designed to be fed at that low feeding rate or whatever that feeding rate is. Because if you take a good feed that's formulated to be fed at three, four, five pounds a day, if you feed it by the cup or, you know, half a pound, one pound a day, you're going to, as good a feed as it may have been formulated to be, you're going to short your horse on nutrients. Protein, vitamins, and minerals will be short because the feed wasn't designed to be fed at that really small amount. Gotcha. So as we, you know, wrap up here, this has been excellent. I think a ton of great information that is extremely helpful, you know, providing transparency into, you know, the designing of the feed and, you know, what we should be looking for and even managing the feed rates. If we have any follow-up questions or, you know, need some advice as we're going through looking at the feed recommender, feed calculator, is there anywhere we can go or, or reach out to as a resource? Sure. We have a great have customer service. Yeah, we have a great customer service team at our 800 number. So at 800-227-8941 is our Purina customer service. And um, they are very well trained to help answer questions about the feeds. If you have a really more specific, uh, highly technical question on nutrition, they will forward you to a PhD, one of my coworkers or myself. So we do want to help educate horse owners. Uh, one, we just want horses to be well taken care of. And, and two, the more educated horse owners are about nutrition and about what their horses need, the, the better, I guess, the more value they see in what we do. So um, we definitely 
want to help educate. And then again, you know, coming in the store, you, you guys are well equipped to help answer a, a wide variety of questions. Absolutely, and something, you know, we're continuing to work on, you know, whether it's visiting the research farm, uh, working with our New England Purina Territory Rep, and, you know, doing things such as this podcast to make sure that we're, you know, helping everybody uh, maximize the benefits of these, these different nutritional products. Exactly. Great. We're, we're all we're all here trying to keep getting better at, at feeding horses. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for your time. We really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you all for listening. For notes from this episode, visit the podcast section of our website at MackeysGrows.com. Also, we'd love to hear your topic ideas or questions, so drop us a line through our website's contact page. If you found the information in this podcast useful or simply just enjoyed our chat, we truly appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on your preferred listening app. It helps share our show with others and lets us know to keep working hard. Thanks again, and remember, where that is and what you love, that's home. Mackey's, where the home grows.